Folks, welcome inside the Paris Sea Palace, high above 3733 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show, coming to you live on Power Talk. Please go to our website, powertalk.live. Download our free app and stream all of our live local programming, including Solomon on Blast, the Jim Parisi Show, and yours truly, the Jake Feinberg Show. And we can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today. We just retreated to an in-studio live performance from... Leanne Lesho and the Nightlights, and uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring in cats who are, I think, uh, mercurial uh, in, is the best way to put it as far as their musical careers. They don't like to toot their own horn. They like to speak on the bandstand. They like to increase the vocabulary of music. They like to increase the sonic expansion of music, and most importantly, bring love to people that are, you know, listening to the music and not necessarily staring at their iPhones or you know plugged into digital stuff. It's about connecting humanity. And uh, my next guest is a decorated bass player, currently in Chicago, gigging a lot, doing a lot of studio gigs, finding a way to sing for his supper. David <laughs> Dowie Williams, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. My pleasure, Jake. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good. It's, 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 is, it, is it Dowie? Is it Dowie? Dowie? Yes, yes, you you know you're right. Um a lot of people miss it the first time you nailed it. Can you tell me what that means? Uh you know, it's a funny thing how that came about. That's actually David Williams. That's and uh in what in what in what uh dialect or what what is that, what is that? Um it, no, no, it's the D it's the D and A from David and the W I from Williams. Oh, well, 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 not exactly <laughs> ro- not exactly rocket science there, but uh <laughs> You know, a lot of people, a lot of people ask me that all the time. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's a name that, that, uh, it's, I think it's like a Vedic name, uh, from India way back or something, but I never even thought about that when I actually, uh, came up with it. I just, it just came to me one day, Dowie. Dowie. So I'm just going to call you, I'm going to be calling you Dowie this whole hour. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Dowie, um, I want you to talk to the audience about, I'm very fascinated uh, about a time period from b- before I was born um, in the mid-60s. I was born in the late 70s. Um, and it, it has to do with um, this, you, you're a bass player, you're always part of the rhythm section. And in today's formulaic times, people will say, well, the bass player's job, Bob Cranshaw would say it's to lock the groove. But I wanted you to talk about uh, the first time that you can really pinpoint a time when you and your rhythm mates were breaking up the time and were breaking yeah. up the form of the music. Because to me, people's ears are locked now. Gary Bartz told me that. People's ears are locked. And I, my part of my show is to talk to you cats about how to unlock ears. So I just wanted you to riff on your earliest experiences. Because the, 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 the seminal group was Tony Williams, Ron Carter, but... You're kind of right on that yeah. edge there, so why don't you just riff on that? Well, um, I, for me, it's very interesting because uh, I, I kind of grew up. My music was developed here in Chicago, and almost right out of high school, I got with an organization uh, called the AACM Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians. Wow! And and so that kind of pushed, uh, without me knowing it, that was pushing the envelope right right out of high school, and um, so we. My earliest experience is was doing exactly what you're saying. We've been we, the people that were in that organization, were like elders to me, and uh, they still are, and and they promoted so much. 
uh, music and so much music came out of that experience that from almost almost the beginning that that's how my my uh, my paradigm shifted there immediately almost actually kind of before I could really even play so-called mainstream jazz um, so for me um, listening to people like Ron Carter and Tony Williams the super super rhythm section guys that was always the uh, bar was always right there and so at, at from that age, from, from that very young age, me and, and most of my friends that were trying to play and, and those that were even ahead of me, that's kind of where it was in Chicago almost from the beginning and really couldn't, I wasn't really allowed to even get on the bandstand with some of the, I, I saw some of the great players until I at least understood um, what, what it is that the role of the bassist was. And so for me, my role um, has always just been very supportive. Um, uh, I was kind of blessed to be around a lot of magnificent horn players. You know, in Chicago, uh, there's there's <laughs> phenomenal horns here, and you know, this is a sax town. Um, so, so I've always rehearsed, and I should say, I've always woodshedded with them. Um, for those who know what I'm saying, I've often rehearsed to practice with them. And so I developed a lot of their techniques. So my main thing is, is when I'm playing is to remember when I'm supporting them to do just that, if that's the type of uh, the idiom I'm in, if it's straight ahead, bebop or whatever, is to basically just lay the bass, lay the bass lines um, that support the overall uh, um, the overall fabric of the music. And really, as, as, some, as some of my friends would say here, one of my good friends, Coco Bronson, keyboard player, used to always say, don't color outside the lines, which I thought he was crazy because I love to color outside the lines. But when it all comes down to it, is I, I'm, a, I'm primarily a bassist, and when I'm in that capacity, I'm basically supporting people. Um, Dowie, um, when, did you, how, when did you first connect with the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians. And um, I, you know, because th this is so interesting because uh, I had an opportunity to interview uh, uh, Famadou Don Moy uh, a while oh, back. Oh, wow. And, and uh, yeah, well, and a great cat. And he told this story about um, growing up in Chicago and this uh, piano player. Not going to do justice to the whole story, but the the point is that he, I mean he got on the bandstand and the piano player for six months. As we hear the tr the lumberyard trains in the background of Chicago flying through, um, the the he the, the the piano player they lived in the same apartment complex, and the guy was older than Famadou, and he did never talk to him once. He never he never talked to him in the in the apartment complex. Uh, he would walk right by him. And I mean, this to me, it was like the point was that he had not at that point passed the, the credibility threshold on the bandstand. Eventually, <laughs> eventually they connected. But it was it was the school. What Famadou said it was you got to face that ass whipping. And I just wanted you to talk about the woodshedding that you did to get over that threshold with these master masters of sonic creation. How did you get to the point where you had credibility amongst this association? Well, uh, the f first thing is I uh, before I could even I should say play in the improvisational idiom they call jazz, no matter what style it may be. Um, we, I was uh, I was trying to I wanted to fit in immediately, but I found out that that ass whooping had to come first, 
And um, <laughs> being, being a bassist, uh, so I, I'm kind of shy by nature, especially back then. I was very shy. So I would, I, I had friends, uh, some of them you may even know, like Steve Coleman. Um, uh, uh, there's, there's quite a few guys from Chicago. Uh, right, right. Uh, and so, and so they, they're actually my age, but they had been playing for much longer than me, and they, they were just superb back then. So I would go check them out, and that, I said, well, my gosh, I, I wouldn't even dare get on the stage with these guys. And um, uh, let alone the masters that were co- that they were going to come on after they got through warming up the bandstand. So uh, as soon as I found out what chord changes were, and you know the the, the usual litany of things, check things that have to be checked off before you consider yourself even beginning to to deal seriously. Um, I, I, I kind of found that out from some of my friends, and so that that was where basically I just spent a lot of time doing that with whoever would help me with it. And uh, so when I finally got to, to the uh, the chops, uh, I guess I had the chops, when I finally got to the point where I could do that, um, that's when I had enough nerve to actually go up. And then and then I found out, oh my gosh, the, the lessons just are just beginning. Um, and all the other guys before me, there was other, other bass players uh, from Chicago, and they're a little older than me, a few years older than me, but they were playing with some of the, they, to me they were just, kicking butt uh people like tyler mitchell he's currently with the sunrock orchestra and he, you know he's played with all types of people he's moved to new york back in the 80s and uh several other people bassists like that that uh and because chicago has so many there's so many bases here and that that just by osmosis if you just take it in and humble yourself these guys are so phenomenal i mean we have some phenomenal bases here, and I kind of, I, I kind of feel very blessed just to be in the company of these guys. Um, but once I did actually start to get some playing under me, and I traveled, and, and folks would say, "Well, my gosh, how did you get to play like that?" I said, "Well, where I come from, I just, I, I, I have to take a number," and they start laughing. <laughs> I said, "Well, that's just the way it is here. So this is one, this is one town." Um, it, it's not necessarily that way now, and I think it's maybe that way, probably a lot of places because the music scene, live music scene, especially jazz, has changed. It's still it's still basically the same. But back in those days, you couldn't even get on the bandstand unless you knew it had an idea what you were doing. Now, I host a jam session at the Velvet Lounge uh, here in Chicago every Wednesday, and I mean, there's some great players come, legendary players come through from, and uh, and and then you have people come through who just want to get on the stand. They'll call a song. They don't even they, they don't even know the song. And I'm thinking, well, why would you do that? But that's, you know. So going back to the bass thing, we we I guess it's trial by fire. I guess I guess after you've been uh, insulted cause, uh, enough and 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 had your as you say very well put after you've had so many ass whoopings. You say, okay, I got to get this together. If I'm going to do it, or either I'm not. And uh, and there's enough people here uh, in this city, as well as many other places everywhere, just about that. That if you if that's what you're going to deal with, then you got to go through the trial by fire. I, you know, I, um, could you talk about um, the meditative or the spiritual practices of you, of the brothers of the AACM? Um, I, I guess. Part of my show is about the metaphysical, and um, oh, and, and and I wanted well part of and, and part of the show has to do with uh, the use of psychedelics, and I, I would, was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that played a role, if at all, in your career, and if in fact uh, you guys did some of this communal bonding 
through uh, psychedelics? Well, um, I would say, see, when I, I'm from, I'm a, I was, I should say my, my years, high school years was in the 70s. And that was when the, the so-called drug culture just came. Right. So before I really met, met any real musicians, uh, I was experimenting with different things. Nothing really too too heavy, but um, that's just that's just what went on. And in, 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 in basically, growing up in high school in Chicago, um, that's mainly that's what's going on. That was going on then. It was just starting back then. And so I, you know. I knew I had musicians who didn't mess with anything and they were straight as an arrow and I respect them for that looking back. But for the most part, by the time I met the AACM guys, the ones that I met, um, we only thing we really ever did was drink wine and, 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 and that was, and that was, and that wasn't everybody. That was actually the minority, not the majority. For the most part, there's some of the most straight ahead musicians I know who put the bar up pretty high for any anyone that's just starting to, to grow and learn. And um, so I had developed that respect way back. I do want to say that as soon as I started to get myself together, um, the scene, the music scene in general changed here in Chicago. So I, I uh, along with some other musicians, uh, and quite a couple of them jazz musicians in Chicago, uh, my age, we formed a reggae band called the Armageddon Reggae Ensemble. So we so I kind of left the scene for like 10 years. Uh, uh, and, and of course, needless to say, there's, there's, I can't say there's a lot of drugs on the reggae scene, but there's enough marijuana. That's yeah, sure. There's definitely a lot of marijuana. But that... <laughs> so, and I mean, but the thing about it is with me, I really, uh, um, I've been a band leader uh, in one capacity or another since I was in high school with my high school bands. I've always... For some reason, I've just ended up being a band leader. So I've always been the one to take care of the business. So my my dealings with a lot of that stuff was definitely done not on the bandstand or anywhere near it. And the people that I was playing with were so straight ahead. And, and these guys, I mean, like we've got, I've got there are people here like Ari Brown, Willie Pickens, uh, uh, gosh, uh, the bass players here, uh, Rock, Bob Cranshaw. Sta Stafford, uh, James, Stafford James is out there. Stafford James, there's so many. I mean, there's just so many guys here. Uh, Kelly Seals, who was one of my first instru instructors, and um, I met a lot of these people in the earlier days because I'm, I'm a product of Bunky Green. I'm from the Bunky Green. School oh wow! Yeah, right on. Um, I got I, right out of high school before I even got with Ace in Bunky Green. I got I was un under his tutelage, and back then um, I think I was maybe fourth chair basis. <laughs> and uh, because one of the main reasons I couldn't read up to the level uh, that I needed to, I could play, but I couldn't read to the level uh, to do that. So, and, and I, I mentioned Bunky Green. Bunky Green was always just a clean cut, straight ahead guy. Um, and then there's another, there's another one of my mentors here, one of the ACM guys, uh, Edwin Doherty. I just did a CD with him about a year ago. And uh, he's played just about, you name it, he's played with them. And uh, these guys have set, set the bars as far as uh, uh, how to conduct yourself as a professional musician to, uh, to the point where I kind of followed their lead. Now, I see a lot of musicians and, and, and actually many more outside of the AAC than I've ever seen in it that are really, um, uh, that have imbibed in a little bit of everything. 
that kind of, that kind of doesn't give any genre of music a good name. Um, and you know, there's a history of that. Uh, times are a little, e- little easier now, um, for musicians. And, uh, as far as if you want to learn something, you turn on YouTube, you've got the best instructors in the world right there. There's tons of books, instructional books, manuals, you name it. So you don't really have to hang out with people like you used to, to, to absorb some of these things. You do have to, you do have to learn the language from someone who speaks it though. And that's, I think that that's, um, that's the reason why I think that the good and the bad, um, everything that's gone along with a lot of musicians making up their, uh, I should say their career path. Um, that's, something that mostly all of them have come across. You kind of learn what to do, what not to do if you want to be respected and hired because this, this is what I do for a living. I've been a professional musician um, from the age of like 18 and for most of my grown life, that's all I've done. Is, and so I've, had, I've always had to be um, alert, um, respectable, uh, 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 so discipline and 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 of course uh, reliable, and uh, at least at least the circles I'm around, people do not they just they don't they don't mess with you if you're if if you're out of sorts so to speak they just don't they just don't mess with you. Talking to Dowie David Williams here on the Jake Feinberg show, having a ball. You know, uh, how did you meet Makoto Horiuchi? Um. Gosh, I'm trying to think. If it was somewhere because on the that, road. that that's how he that's how you first came on my radar was he was raving about you, and wow. I, I thought I th- I thought that that might have been out in the Pacific Northwest somewhere, and I need you to talk about that if if you can. Dig- well, you, I really it's just not a whole lot I could say because um, I, I the thing is with me every time someone tells me they know me I have to remember from what set because uh, I've traveled nationally and nationally with my own reggae band. And I met so many people there, but we were one of the first reggae groups to ever play jazz. Like we were the first reggae group to play at the uh, Lighthouse out there in uh, California. Really? Wow. We were the first. We were the first to play a lot of jazz clubs across the country because um, it, it was it was reggae with with a very improvisational um, touch. So I don't. Sometimes a lot of people I, I have to remember. Okay, where did where did I meet them at? And then of course playing jazz, I I I, I played with so many different artists uh some known some not uh you know so i i i remember the name um but i'm not really familiar with exactly who you're talking to i i guess um the the did you did you take some time to uh i mean you were you were born and raised in chicago but did you end up moving to at any point to uh, a different part of the country or the uh, to, to 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 play well, that's that's the thing. I'm I'm I was actually born. I'm from. The, I was born in Oakland, California. Were you born in Oakland? Yeah, I I I, I, I uh, moved here when I was like uh, oh about ten, eleven years old to Chicago, and so and but this has been my home. But I've lived all over, uh, and you, you, a lot of I've lived a lot of places. So as far as the uh, West Coast, yes, I when, when I'm out there, um, I play I play with a lot of different people out there. Uh, but like I say, it would be hard because for me to remember exactly where, because uh, I, I I play I think I play just about everywhere except for the deep deep style. Well, but, I'm talking about actually moving somewhere uh, in your uh, you know in your once you became a professional. And, oh no, 
so you've always just no, been Chicago. based, yeah. Because M- M- Makoto was yeah. was he was his roommate in college was Larry Coriel, and uh, he okay. and and uh, but I guess, I guess you know, uh, there's I know who you, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, badass. We used to play with Eric Gravatt, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I you know yeah. I should I should I'll send you the interview because he's he's he talks he's the one that first hit me to you. Um, wow. But, you know, I wanted to, you know, this is this is important because I think you brought up something earlier about cats in today's musical world. They don't have a deep bag of tunes, meaning they don't know a lot of standards um, in, in some sense. And then there's also this drive because there isn't the ass whipping on the bandstand six nights a week that you honestly need in order to find your own sound. They feel this yeah. extra pressure to have to dis- demonstrate monster chops because they're under. They don't have. To, <laughs> they don't have the 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 opportunities, right? So, right. I you know I, I wanted. I, I just want you to talk to the the audience about what cats can do. I mean, M. Tume. I've done two interviews with M. Tume, and he you know he just said he goes, "Where did hip hop come? Yeah. Hip hop came from cats. The, there were no music uh, instruments in the schools anymore, so." Cats went to the park and they made it up. So what's your advice to those cats who want to unplug because there's a saturation of material all over the internet. They want to search, they want to seek, but they don't have the opportunities on the bandstand. How do you, how do you, what is, what's your advice to those cats who are seeking their own individual sound in the 2017 paradigm? Um, I would say uh, there's a voice that we all have. And it, it, first of all, be true to that. And it may be pulling them in any direction. But I would say, in the meantime, learn everything that you can about the instrument. Um, definitely learn how to read. There's, there's nothing wrong with reading. And definitely learn how to compose. Uh, I've been writing uh, some type of music uh, from almost the very beginning because I was just mimicking them who I wanted to be like. And I come to find out later because of that, that that landed me a couple of record deals when I was very young. But I come to find out that uh, the composers are the ones that everyone remembers in the songs that they wrote. So so I would say uh, definitely uh, find your your voice and and as soon as you can, start composing. Um, Even if it's just small pieces or whatever, start composing and learn as much about composing and arranging and, and other instruments as possible. Then find someone, uh, 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 as Bunky Green told me, he said, you know, you can play, you've got a good ear, but this is, you need to, this is the environment that you need, so I'm going to allow you to be in the music department because this, this is the environment. So as far as uh, find, find it's, it's not easy, but find environment. And I would, I would say to a lot of people, um, like, if you're in Chicago, and by the way, everybody, come to the Velvet Lounge, and if that's what you want to do, come down there because that's where the pot is on. Right. We have we have uh, we have a legendary drummer, Joe Jenkins, and he's oh you know, he's man, I mean, it was a back in the that's yeah. the that's back in the sh- <laughs> Shaky Jake Harris harmonica days or something. That's badass. It, 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 yeah, Joe. Joe, uh, I've had many drummers. Joe is like our senior uh, craftsman, elder statesman. And so he keeps everything locked right where it needs to go. I mean, uh, one time I looked up and a good friend of mine who, who, who Joe used to play behind the years and still does is uh, George Freeman, Von Freeman's boss. Oh, my God. Dude, I'm obs- I need you, but you, Dude, George Funky Boy Freeman, dude, that dude is the man, dude. Yeah, 
And I, I got a chance to uh, meet and play with him when I was like 19. Wow. Um, wow. And, and he introduced me to a lot of people. I, I've had a chance to play with his uh, with his brother, rest in peace, Von Steenland. Bonsky, as we call him, he's the father of most of us. <laughs> yeah, well, no, the, the, he he was. They were rocking out. They were rocking out the Delmark label. You know, I mean, they were. Yeah, yeah. we got ambulances. Yeah. People know that David Williams is on fire. Right, we're on fire on the Jake Feinberg show. Um, so so um, continue. You can continue riffing. You're talking about George, the Freeman brothers. Okay. Yeah. So so um, I look up. I look up one day, and uh, here's. Uh, Batume, a good drummer friend, he lives up in uh, Wisconsin, plays a little bit of everybody, and, and George Freeman come walking through the door. And I said, well, fantastic. And um, so, the, you, you know, the, the thing is, you you got to get out. The only way to play, as, as uh, the old time used to tell me all the time, the only way to do it is to do it. They look at me, they say, young man, young brother, the only way to do it is to do it. And I say, what does that mean? And I, I I wouldn't tell them that I wouldn't ask them that, but they, the only way to do it is to do it. So I every chance you get, if if you're out there and that's what you want, every chance you get, you you should be running through scales, patterns, you name it, trying to uh, find out, explore chordal harmonies, you know, learn everything possible, and then and then and then apply it in some type of ensemble um, atmosphere. And if you have to invite people to your house, you usually have to pay them. Whatever it takes, do that. If if you're not in school. Try to try to uh, get in, in, a, in a program, um, you know. And, and if there are if there are people having a jam session, make it your uh, point to go there. Um, there's no shame in going to a jam session. That's where everyone gets it together. At. I, I do know people here who don't come out to jam sessions, and that's good. Maybe they don't need to. I find um, for me, if I don't if I don't let this stuff up out of my system at least once a week, and I mean unload it. I, it, I, I, I start to have uh, uh, symptoms, and most musicians know what I'm talking about. You don't want them. You want you want to keep your you want to keep your machine well oiled. And, me, and the only way to do it is to do it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard though when the culture is is being stifled. The way, now Chicago is a little bit of an exception, but it just it, you know in the 70s I've done over a thousand interviews, and those cats. I mean, it was yeah. blue-collar music. Art Blakey would talk about, you know, his job was to wash away the dust of everyday life. And it just seems that yeah. instrumental music now has become this wine and cheese thing. It's no longer oh, for the people. And I think that that is a major issue because you'd have people in Chicago when you were coming up or in New York, out on the streets, playing, yeah. playing conga drums. The music was, it was street music. It was coming out of the stores. And, you know... I, yeah. I, I, guess, I want to read you this, this quote I, from uh, probably a brother of yours, a, a definitely an AACM member, Chico Freeman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I, I interviewed him uh, uh, back in November of last year, he said, um, with respect to America, Duke Ellington liked to refer to jazz as African-American classical music. He had a logical reason for that because he considered the word classical as meaning music that stands the test of time. This music, jazz, was invented by African Americans. It was a mix of the Africanisms that were brought over from Africa during slavery, the call and response, the pentatonic scales, the blues, yep. the spirituals, the field hollers came directly from Africa. Then you add some European instruments, for example, the trap set drums. Uh, he said, yeah. I think Sid Catley was the first one to play that. It took European marching band instruments, the bass drum, the tom-tom, the snare. 
The multiple drum set, as Max Roach would refer to it, that was put together by an African-American, and that was the invention of what we now refer to as the trap drums. And I wanted you to talk yeah. about the significance of the drums as it relates to, the, to your playing and also how uh, the AACM incorporated rhythms in the music to drive consciousness. Wow. Uh, that's deep, uh, yep. but very, very apropos. Welcome to the Jake um, Feinberg Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting you would touch on that. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And, and I, it was brought to my attention a long time ago that the music is in the, the rhythm. And, 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 and I find it to be true. Um, and, and, and Cat used to say, I don't care if you hit a wrong note, just make sure you play the right rhythm. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I dig I, that. I did. And, and see, as a bassist, I, you know, if I hit a wrong note, it sticks out like a thumb. So I think it stuck out. But then I, I'm reading an article, um, several articles from, you know, some of the great luminaries of jazz, people like Wayne Shorter or Herbie Hancock. They always say, look, make some mistakes. You know, you make some, you know, uh, Ron Carr, make mistakes because some great things come from that. Uh, you're, 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 you're just trying to, uh, bottom line is about music. And so the, the music is in the rhythm and the integrity of uh, the music. I would tell anyone, uh, my advice to anyone starting out playing is whatever idiom that you're in, definitely get learn the rhythm and respect the rhythm of the idiom that you're in because that's that's uh that's important to the music you can't i can't even imagine playing uh samba uh you know uh, uh a mambo or any of that without without um without the rhythm being in it it's just i just can't even imagine i even a, even even when it comes to like expressing yourself through some uh a 12 bar blues um there's there's a bluesy I mean, it's bluesy connotation to it. I don't mean note-wise. I mean rhythm-wise. That that is the rhythmic feeling to it. And um, a lot of times, uh, people will come to the jam session. They want to play this and that, but I, they want to play everything. The things that come to their mind. But I don't think that they've really studied and re realized the. Uh, the, the rhythmic integrity of the idiom that they're in. I dig. You know, you know, it's it's keep riffing because, man, I'm telling you, there's something about a, a respect of uh, the simplistic blues, an inability to go back to the to the deepest level of the blues. That seems to be the the the, the same thing with shuffle drumming. Younger cats cannot play the shuffle, and so it's like, where, how do you, how did you learn that? Um, I well. In high school, strange, strange little quick backstory. Yeah. I, I, uh, in my sophomore year of high school, during the summer, uh, I was spending the summer as I would a lot of times with my relatives in Kansas, and you know that's a huge jazz town, um, and that's where my that's where my parents uh, met. And my, my 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 dad was from Kansas, and my mom's from New Orleans, so they met there. My grandfather used to uh, had had a haberdashery shop and a barber shop on 14th and Vine. He used to cut all the great hair and sell them clothes and hats. But um, I would I would spend summers there. Went went and saw the Jackson Five, and I would see these summer concerts with all these different groups. I saw uh, 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 Kenny Rogers' group back then, the New Edition, and it, uh, the bass just blew me away. So I come back home. I want to play the bass. I get take lessons five months 
after after that five months of, of, of doing that and being in a band in school, now I'm doing gigs. I'm on the blues scene, the Chitlin circuit, but nonetheless, the the blues. I love it. The blues. And so that, who who were you playing with? Who were you playing with? Oh gosh, let me see. Back then, it was people like Hi-Fi White, Walter Jackson. Oh, um, it was just a bunch of. I mean, just basically everyone in Chicago. I, you know, I was playing behind all uh, you name it, guys. Uh, and and uh, you know, Alvin Alvin Cash. You uh, you name it. I, there's so many artists back then. Uh, uh, um, Major Lance, just all kind of folks. Uh, and what. That kind of immediately got me grounded because, and then the old timers, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but I know here they always, you, if, especially if, if, if you come on the scene back then when I was young and they never played, the first thing they would do is say, okay, we're going to start off with a blues then. And from that blues, they could tell where you are at. And, and, and that, that's all they needed for you to hear you play, play some blues. And then that's where they, how they accessed what it is you were doing and how they were going to uh, deal with you for the rest of the set. So uh, the, the blues is without a doubt the foundation. I, 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 I was at a, a guitar uh, store the other day, and I saw this young man playing some standards uh, or attempting to play them. And I could tell he was from the church, though. And I just said, look, man, come on down to my jam session because you've got the feeling. You've got the feeling from church. I said, some people don't get it from church. Some people don't get it from the blues, but you got to get it from some. You got to get those two things, which are very similar and just offspring, in, in, in order to really play this jazz music. Because without that emotion in it, it's it's just a bunch of notes. Right. I mean, the the other thing. I, this is so important because you're 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 really. I mean, you're a bridge to the future, um, and you know. I, I wonder a little bit if you could talk to the audience uh, about your con. I like to ask the cats about this who understand the rudiments of their instrument, were able to play all different genres of music. And then ultimately, I want your concept, the, the, the Dowie concept of any note can be the one. And furthermore, when you're in a group setting and you're playing an improvisational tune and the band gets collectively lost, how you guys, when you come back, when you find the one together and come back in, what a cathartic feeling that is. Because in today's paradigm, I hear a lot of people, where's the one? Where's the one? Where <laughs> They're obsessed with the one. And part of it's because the music we've become, the, we've gone back to simpler music with rapping and, and those beats. But at the same time, it's the idea of saying collectively, you know, lose the one. It's all, any note can be the one. Can you give me your philosophy on, on that? Yes, I can. Um, I, uh, I I played with a lot of improvisational bands, you know, and some is what you call free music, and some is just very straight ahead, um, very very conventional quote quote, and some very free form, but uh, 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 of all types of nature. And I was with this one group uh, called ESP, and uh, we had just developed a sound just from playing together with each other, intuiting each other. So the one didn't even really matter because we were all on the same page mostly all the time. But what did matter, uh, and I, I, we'd all talk about stuff during our breaks and stuff. And, and um, but one thing that, that that I related to them, I said, you know, the music is when you you think one, two, three, four. If it's in five, four, one, two, three, four, five, or in six, you know, one, two, three, one, two, and whatever time it's in, 
I said, it's like a pendulum swinging back and forth. And our job is when the pendulum is in the middle is to try to hit it. And the, 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 the blessed musicians have that um, instinctively. And, and when they come together with other musicians on the same place, that, that's naturally what happens. So there's, there's, uh, there's the opportunity to, to find that what you're doing and juxtapose it in between that pendulum swinging. If it swings too far to the left or swing, swing too far for the right, you miss it. Right. But as long as, but as long as if you, as long as you, uh, you, you realize the continuum, you, you know, and, and then going back to, uh, to me, there are only two kinds of music, good or bad. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's, subje- and that's subjective. You know, it's all music. It's, it's yeah. all music, you know? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. And so when you're, so, so when you're, Making when you're in the heat, I say when you're in the heat of the moment, um, it's finding where that is, and and then and then on another lighter note, look, the bottom line is about having fun. If you're having fun on stage and the, the audience feels that, and at the bottom line, I could stay at home and musicians could stay home if all you want to do is play for yourself. Um, I love playing for people. I love connecting with people, and so. That's I'm 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 playing I'm I'm always uh, interpreting with the band, but I'm also looking at the audience and filling them, and I figure I could be a synthesis, and I think most mu- I, I'm almost sure that most musicians intuit that, especially those that are uh, uh, prolific at at the at the subject matter, they they naturally do that to the point where even if they if they seem like they're not doing they're doing it because. It's, it's, you know, it's like with a PS, it's a PSI energy. It's, it's like it's uh, uh, give and take. It's, it's free flowing. It, it comes, it comes through us from the people, and, and it flows from us to the people and back. And uh, and when that's happening, it's it's, it's a uh, epiphany. It's a, it's a moment of uh, I would say it's it's it's, it's something that uh, is so spiritual that only music can describe it. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the first recording that the first time you were in the studio, uh, who you were with, I, I mean, it's, it, what's, what's hysterical is that when I reached out to, to Dowie that, you know, he's like, I actually, Jake, I think you're thinking about David Williams, the other bass player. Um, and in fact, the Trinidad Trinidadian cat badass. And I was like, well, actually, no, I'm, I want you. I interviewed him four years ago. Um, but but the problem is that that dude, because he's so accomplished as you are, but he's been on the scene a little bit longer. I can't find your discography. Can you talk to me about a couple of of, of early recordings so we can get this stuff into the into the ethos? Um, I was in the process. It's funny thing you said. I was in the process of sending you. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, but I was like, well, let's just get it out on the table here. Um, well, the, the first recording I did was actually um, my first, my, actually my first time in the studio was here at a studio in Chicago called uh, Paul Serrano. And that, that's like where most, I would say at least 50% of all the material that come out of Chicago during that era came from Paul Serrano. Um, that's where um, one, of the main, one of the main mixes over there was Paul Serrano, who's actually a trumpet player of uh, international acclaim. But uh, that was, I, I was, must have been around so... 17 years old and my my cousin the bassist and uh but he didn't read so he called me and he said i've got a, i've got a gig and i said well, well yeah he said but i can't re- you know i don't read like that so he called me up so i get there and 
some of the top session musicians in the, in, in the city were there. And uh, they needed a saxophone player, so I brought my friend of mine who's playing sax in my band. I recommended him, so we get there, and we're like the youngest guys, and there's a guy named Freebird. This guy was like a young genius. He's like so 23, 24 years old. He flew Learjets. And, wow. uh, Freebird. That's, wow, that's what he did. He was a very accomplished, genius type of guy, and he was a composer. I said, well, isn't this amazing? So we did that. That was the first thing. Um, uh, beyond that, my some of my first recordings were people like Saji Adebayo here from Chicago, uh, Kurt Brown. Um, I, I've, I've done a lot of recordings with a lot of people here. I've also worked with uh, uh, Roy Ayers. Uh, when now? Okay, so when when was that? That was from like ninety oh ninety seven to like ninety eight. Like that, right, right, right. Like this is interesting uh, stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, but 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 I mean, you you can uh, because it's it's uh, this is important for the. I mean, can you talk about um, the idea? Have you ever? I mean, early on, I think this is the other thing is that you know, I mean, studios today are hard because to keep them up because there's just so much cutting and pasting, and you know, you get a, someone you know cut, does a, a guitar solo and then they email it to somebody and. There's something about there's something about having bodies together, no baffles. Um, can you talk about a transcendent if, uh, studio experience that you had? You know, uh, um, I, there's there's a group. We have three discs out. Um, I think it's on the Sonic label, the ESP uh, group, and um, that those recordings were very very uh, special. Um, they had some great uh, players. Uh, from uh, Chicago uh, on there, um, and those are available. You know, I think you can Google or whatever um, them. And uh, but that was that was probably one of the most uh, I should say most spiritual, clandestine, spiritually moments. Could you explain uh, why recording? Just because of the nature of the music. Every uh, the SP group was. Uh, we basically we were we had a lot of compositions and um it I, it wasn't mainstream jazz very improvisational but very very open to suggestion and and so it was an ensemble sound and we weren't we we weren't uh we weren't held to the gravity of a uh i should say a piano they chose they chose not to have a piano hmm. Uh, uh, so, so the music could be freer to go wherever it chose. Um, a lot of times when you're, you know, they did, we did, you, we did have a guitarist, but a lot of times when you use a, a keyboard player and, and uh, sometimes you, 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 you gravitate to, towards the, the chords that they spell out a lot of times. Um, whereas otherwise you're just more or less free to gravitate, like I say, within the rhythm, the rhythm takes more precedent and so it was the it was the liquidity of that project that that i love the most but then i did uh i've done um this is, this is a guy here saji adebayo um I, he, uh did his album um there's a lot of discography i'm, I'm drawing a blank now but what i what i what i'm going to do is post some of it and uh and i do have a um website uh yeah no i mean this is it, it, it's because there whatever it is you have to cut through the morass of the of uh 
of the other David Williams. But did you did you um, ever cross paths with cats from M Boom like Omar Clay, Joe Chambers, Warren Smith, Max Roach, and those cats? No, uh, more like Ed Thigpen, uh, Monty Alexander, uh, Ray Brown, those cats. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be my, um, I remember, um, playing, uh, crossing paths with a lot of people on jam sessions and especially, uh, festivals. But, um, the, the thing, the thing for me yeah. was, uh, I would say, uh, act, actually I've, I've done so many recordings. I can't even keep track of them. And, and right now I own my own uh, studio. Uh, it's a sound design company because I, I do I do uh, soundtracks for movies and uh, things of that nature. No, yeah, design. that's right, that's right, yeah. So so, so uh, that that allows me to hire a lot of people, as you say, uh, via via the uh, airways. But uh, that's a whole different field of music altogether. But at the same time, it has to feel it still has to uh, flow and convey the emotion because most of the time film is just flat and my job is to give it the emotion so that's the that's the good side it keeps me it keeps me out of being too it keeps me out of being very commercial right exactly it it just just (laughs) off the pop grid but you know um dawi uh do you believe um sometimes uh we are led to believe that the music is dying um that uh you know jazz is dead uh, melodic improvisation is dead. Um, just like you hear, you always hear negative stories in the news media, even though there's just so much beautiful stuff going on. And I was hoping you could talk about your concept of love and how you believe the music will continue to grow. The vocabulary will grow because I, do, I maintain, listen, I think it's great. I mean, Kenny Burrell's the man, okay? And he runs the jazz department mm-hmm. at UCLA. And mm-hmm. Roberto Miranda is the man, and James Newton is the man, and I've interviewed all yeah. these cats, okay? Yes, but yes. a jam session within academia is not going to grow the vocabulary of music, and I'm trying to figure out in your mind how that vocabulary can grow um, in 2017. Um, okay, uh, I would say this here very. Uh, first of all, let me uh, say very thank you to you yeah. because. Um, in Chicago, when we first heard that the number one jazz station in New York was going off there, we said, "Oh my gosh, it's just a matter of time before it's here." And sure enough, it was. We still have jams. We still have a great radio station here, but there's not as many as there used to be. And thanks to uh, outlets like yours, that's what's helping keep the music alive. Uh, um, and I don't think the music is going. It, it, I think actually it's going to come back stronger than ever when it does, because after all this, this. Stuff that we're hearing, people are thirsty. You know, their chakras are dying to be illuminated with with real live music. I agree. You know, well, I mean, but I you mean, know, I mean, just, I mean, Charlie Persip said that that. I mean, do you think that? But and 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 you, we will not need a, a complete cultural and civilization collapse in order for this rebirth yeah. to occur. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 I think I think that it's uh, actually. Um, it's 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 here because um, I still even even in, even when I wasn't um, traveling with a reggae band, I mean with a uh, with a with a, with a uh, jazz band during the '80s. During the '80s, I was on the road with a reggae band. But every time we 
get to town, usually we were at a jazz club or when we got through, we would go to the, the nearest jazz club and we go jam. Now, what I've noticed, uh, even as of recently, I was in, um, I was out in the Bay Area over the holiday season, and uh, I went there and I called a couple of friends and I said, what's going on? They said, well, it's a jam session. It's a club, this place they call The Noise in San Francisco. I got there, and just so happens that half the musicians that were there live in New York, but they were from the Bay Area. They were home, you know, they were home during the holidays. Sure. And and the music was on such a high level. I said, heck, are you sure we're not in New York? Or am I back in Chicago? I mean, it was such a high level. And these guys were basically older than me. I mean, younger than me, um, which which I, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. But I'm basically younger than me. I said, well, my gosh, I guess we're going to be all right after all. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think actually being that I'm based in Tucson, but, you know, we are – it's be it's truly a global show and i'm now beginning to really pay homage to the local indigenous music scene here in tucson people that are looking to heal people and do spiritual stuff through music and um but i have connected with my generation now uh through a couple of really cool uh, publicists who have given me carte blanche to younger cats and and i will say that they're really bright and they yeah. they can play their butts off, and I do think that they have feel because they've been able to be mentored by Melvin Sparks or Dowie Williams yeah. or Famadou Don Moore. Yeah. See, I'm saying this is the. Yeah. I didn't know what my show was six years ago, but you know, what I do realize now is that it's whatever links in the chain might have gotten broken. I am just trying to promote the qualities of music, real music, so that cats like my daughters can know in the future how to how to create spiritual music i mean it's not about reinventing the wheel but when you have all these as herb albert told me yesterday i mean you can dial up all those zeros and ones you know and i'm sure you're doing that for film you can get it down to perfection but you're taking all the feel you're taking all the soul out of it you know yeah and, th and yes. that's the thing but the, the the bridge i mean and so many of the cats that never made it to see their middle, I mean, so many cats that died early because modern medicine has also allowed a lot of cats to stay, you know, to be around, to stay around. And, and that, yeah. and, and it's my job to go and find them and to extract the information in order to enlighten other people and inspire other people. Well, I think that that's, uh, that's the thing that's very admirable. And I think that that's, that's a big part of keeping this uh, music alive. Because it needs an outlet, and uh, that's that's one of the main things that we're missing. Because we're going, they're always going to be players, but um, as far as giving giving given the uh, platform as, as you're providing, that's that's a whole other subject. And, and, and as a matter of fact, it's very necessary because every other music has it. Um, exactly. And with with the younger crowd, um, I'm I'm really I'm really. Uh, an admiration of the way that these some of the youngsters are going about their musical, I should say, jazz career, so to speak, because uh, I know about uh, the, the Velvet Lounge in Chicago was owned before he passed away, God bless him, uh, with the legendary Fred Anderson. Mm. And uh, one thing, uh, one thing about Fred uh, is he always provided a place. I'd say I'd say 50% of the young people coming that came out of Chicago in the last 10, 15 years were a product of, uh, of, of Fred Anderson, and he provided a place. Von Freeman provided a place. 
there's, there's a lot of other shit provided places, but still without the medium. And and I, I was saying that about the Velvet Lounge. I was playing there oh, with, with an AAC, AACM ensemble uh, about three years ago and then from a film crew from the University of Nebraska. And, and they want to do interview. All these guys were young. They couldn't have been over 23 years old, 24 years old. All were young, and they were so interested. They, they did, a, and that's, that's, you can, that documentary can be accessed. It's called uh, In Chicago, a jazz documentary. And um, there's a lot being spoken to keeping things alive, et cetera. And like I said, I just want to commend you, uh, Jake, uh, for, for the fine job that you're doing. And uh, uh, now, now that I'm, I'm familiar with you. I feel I know you now. I'm going to do everything I can do to promote and get the word out about your show because it's very important. Well, you know, what's really cool, and we we only got about a minute left, and we can definitely set up a time to do part two. It's just in most of my life was spent with anticipatory anxiety. What about this? The future, that, this. And then um, through a myriad of experiences, a lot of that fell away. And I started this show, and... I'm growing in an incredibly organic fashion and you know that your trip was very similar. And so basically I've passed the credibility threshold with the cats. Most importantly, yeah. not the journalists, <laughs> not the pr the promoters, not the publicists. I have passed the credibility threshold with the cats and, and the more help that I can get from you guys, the more I'm going to continue to grow. I'm having a ball doing it, and I had a ball talking wow. to you now, man. You're part of the brotherhood now, man. You know, so you can see it's well, it's uh, this is uh, this is the real deal, man. So we'll uh, much yeah. love to you, Dowie, and uh, and let's just stay much in touch, man. You, all right. Thank thank you, sir. All right, and we'll uh, I'll get a copy of this out to you uh, sometime this weekend. Okay. All right. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, love always, man. Keep it up. Thank you. Peace. And that's it for the Jake Feinberg show. Quite a day here. Leanne Lesho, Dowie David Williams. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time. Until then, have a good one. Happy Mother's Day. Peace.